everybody. This is Michael Rosso. Who said that? <laughs> Film Photography Project Podcast. I'm here with the gang, Matt Marash. Hey. John Fideli. Hey. Mark O'Brien. Hey. <laughs> what was that the track, man? Hey, hey the track, man. <laughs> yes. Leslie like Lazenby. It. Hello, everyone. Let's get into it. Let's get into it with a show. Oh, with a letter. This is a good letter. Okay. This is a good letter. This is from Petros. This is from Petros. He said, hope everyone's doing well. Looking forward to the next episode. I have a quick question on long exposures. I recently went out with my Yushika loaded and a roll of Delta 100 to take some super long exposures at night. London has many super dark streets contrasted with seemingly strange <laughs> seemingly strange men no, seemingly out of place well lit street signs and I wanted to capture them I did my calculations set up took a variety of shots the entire roll was nearly completely unexposed oh dear this is my first foray into long exposure shots oh dear above a few seconds he says and I fear I miscalculated my exposure times. Did you offer some tips and tricks for me? Allegedly, what happened, eh? Well, Blimey, what also, happened? <laughs> All this is, is caused by UFOs. I said, I don't know what I said. Take off the lens cap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the first so, thing I check for. What I thought that it probably was was reciprocity failure. I don't even know what that after word about means. two seconds, when especially when he said delta one hundred. Oh. After about two seconds, film does not expose with the same sensitivity it does with faster exposures. You need to give it more than what a meter says. Oh. It's a failure of film. Film fail. It's a film fail. <laughs> you you're like Columbo. Well, Diving in there. It's and a, I said, um, Any further way that I can be of assistance to you? Oh, no. No, no, you just make out that list. That'll be fine, Doc. Thank you. Oh, oh, one more thing before I forget. Actually, what I did is I, I got a graph for Delta 100, and I sent him back an email with this graph for reciprocity table for Ilford Delta 100. And there is a, there is a little caveat, because there is Acros... 100 made by mm. Fuji that does not have this problem. It is Why a is beautiful that? film. I don't know. If I knew that, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> but anyway, um, he wrote back. I was figuring that was the issue. The numbers were fine. The processing was okay. I read something about reciprocity failure, but was unaware the compensation would be so vast. Mm. I was looking into switching up to Acros anyway. Maybe uh, a good idea for me. I'm sure to get better results. A lot of times when we get these listener letters in, I, uh, they get forwarded. Not a lot of times they get forwarded to me. When they do get forwarded to me, I all start our conversation, and it may have some really basic questions. Mm. You need to put up with it because I don't know what you know, you and I don't speak. want to talk over you. And so that's pretty much what I told him. And, and I said, um, I asked him, my first thought was, how do the edge numbers look? That would indicate a processing error. Were they light or thin? And I went through the kind of the little checklist, and then I got to a little bit about, hmm, two to four seconds or more. And I told him the film didn't react the same and what it was called in the chart mm -hmm. and then he emailed back and confirmed that was the issue but it's it's something that 
I think maybe we used to know more mm-hmm. about reciprocity failure. Once you know about it or be aware of it, even if you don't remember even the percent that it is, I should go out with a certain percent or whatever, you can Google it. The Google. And have your answers almost immediately. Mm. So those long exposures. I keep a, I keep two little reciprocity business cards in my wallet at any given time for the stuff I always shoot. And there I you just, go. Wow. Just write them out. You don't have to remember it. Just be aware of just, it. Yeah, just know that it's there and know that once you go beyond a certain amount, usually traditional grain films crap out at about a second, two seconds. Yes. And then your mm-hmm. T-grain films can hang a little bit longer. And then if you're shooting Fuji Acros, you're... you're you don't need it. Life is gold. Yeah. Well. Anyway, thank you, Petrus, for the letter. Um, not only was uh, this your problem, but it's very educational for the rest of our listeners as well. Mm-hmm. Good for me. There you go. Because now you. I know a new word. There thank he you. does. I got a letter. Oh, you do? Yeah. John, you have a letter? I have a letter. This is from uh, John Ch- Chisholm. And he says, uh, will you have 120 film preservers in the future? Is that what it is? Preservers? Yes. Film preservers in the futures. I see you have 35 millimeter preservers now and added your color kit. Worked great. I bought it last summer. Had fun doing five rolls of Fuji film. Thanks. So are you going to carry the film preservers? Yes. Yes. Print file? We carry them already. We carry 35 millimeter, 120, and 4x5. Excellent. Oh, and slide. Come and get Sweet. it, John. Lovely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get them. One-stop shop. Do you mm-hmm. folks all use uh, fi- uh, print file, yes. file, preser- uh, Absolutely. preservers? Absolutely. Yep. Preservers? For, for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. For everything smaller than 8x10, I use print file. Okay. Yeah. What do you use for 8x10, Matt? I get the old, uh, or the new ones. Plastines. Plastines. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I have a ones, bunch of those for you. Next uh, time I see you, I'll give them to you. The ones you sell now are uh, like, uh, you can do six frames for 35 do you have the six up or the five up? Five up. I don't know. No, you, I, you bought a pack. Yeah, they're six. Is that good <gasps> or bad? It's great. No, they're great. Is that from Dylan Barnes? Is that his students? Oh, yes. Yeah, yes, please. Yeah, that's from uh, Gulf Coast Academy in Florida. Okay. Oh, excellent. Hey, Michael. Here's some uh, film photos shot of me and the kids earlier this afternoon. Had the kids develop this role as well. Uh, let me know if you need any names or any writing to go along with it. And you attached some great photos. Great of, photos. Uh, of kids in kids, the labs. Yeah, in the dark room. Getting their hands dirty, getting some, uh, getting some film developed. That's great. Looks like it's, a nice space, too. Yeah, yeah, it's so awesome. All right, I got another letter. Okay, go ahead. This is from Ashraf Najwan. He says, you can just call me Ash, like the Pokemon guy. Oh. First and foremost, I would like to say that I am a huge fan of your work, and it has really inspired me to pick up film photography as a new hobby. I have been shooting both film and instant photography for quite a while now. And with your helpful video tutorials, I have developed a strong passion in developing my own black and white films through my university's darkroom laboratory. However, due to the new college budget cut, (laughs) we are not bringing in any C41 E6 chemicals in the future. Primarily, I would like to learn and further deepen my knowledge in film photography by venturing into C41 chemicals and hopefully be able to develop my own color negative films soon. C41. The reason... Stop knocking. (laughs) The reason I write to you this message is to inquire if FPP runs a student discount loyalty program for high school college students who wish to purchase darkroom chemicals from the store. And if such a program already exists, may I please request for your kind help in providing me information requiring 
required for me to join the program? What's the answer, John? The answer is uh, get a job. No. Oh. <laughs> the answer is yes. Send us what you want, and we'll send it to you free. What? That's not the answer. Oh, what's the answer, Mike? Only you know the answer. I gave you the answer. Oh, well, I thought you would like to be the guy. To, like, I listen to it. I'm telling you what you I'm tell trying me. to you make pretend you word. didn't tell me you it because... You a word I say. I ever. listen to it. It says our, our prices are already that. rock bottom. You need a couple's well retreat is what oh you need. <laughs> I heard it, but I thought you wanted to say... I thought we were like, you know, just pre-talking through the, the letter. The FPP Online store sells everything at the rock bottom price. You're making me look like a Drake. Do we have a rock bottom sound effect? I'm going to hit you in the head with a rock. So there's no student <laughs> loyalty program because everything can't in the store be. is so yeah it can't be. Sorry, we're already better than student prices on any of the big big brand stores. Yeah. Thanks. Listen. Thanks very much for the letter. We're so happy that you're uh, you have a brand new passion and it sounds like it is a passion. Right. So and we have a follow up letter from Dylan Barnes. Oh yes. Or, or am I taking it? You have it in front of you, Matthew. Yeah. I had it. Now, now, uh, okay. Everybody's getting crazy all of a sudden. What's We're happening? Madness here. This is madness here. All this is, is caused by UFOs. All right. Follow-up letter. Mike, the students are doing great. For the second half of the year, me and four advanced film students have been putting the Pentax SLRs you sent us to work. Yeah. Over the course of the past eight weeks, we have worked on portraiture, using a backdrop, reflectors, posing, interacting with subject model, etc., developing C41 and E6 film, C41, E6, using a slide projector, and trying out the new lenses you sent us a few weeks ago. Yes. I recently purchased some darkroom and enlarger equipment that we will soon be setting up in my classroom bathroom. Fun. The photography club with a few students has been such a blast. I've been able to hang out with my students and watch them grow as real film photographers, watching them form their own likes, dislikes, and critiques of their own work. Just the other day, I had a student tell me why shooting black and white was more authentic experience compared to color. To see my middle school students come to be adults through the arts and specifically through film photography, it's truly been an amazing experience for both them and myself. Thank you so much. We'll be in touch, I am sure. All right. Isn't that great? Yeah. Middle school kids. Isn't that fantastic? It's awesome. awesome. It really is. uh, You know, I wish I had that kind of opportunity afforded to me when I was... That mm. for real. That would be yeah. fantastic. Yes. John is a, a big enthusiast of panorama. I like I panorama. Why is that, John? I just love the image. I, I love mm-hmm. the way it falls and, and looks, and you know, and it's and it's not what you're usually used to looking at. So, well, Mark, what do you the word? Yes, I think all of us like panoramic images, and sometimes we uh, forget about how easy it is to do them if you've got the right camera. And of course, those people with their iPhones and i whatevers mm-hmm. can do all these cool panoramics, and they but they're yeah. not on film, folks. The very simplest panoramic format is just the crop 35 millimeter frame, yeah, and you see like, that on like the. The Vivitar, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a cheat, right? Yeah, it's a cheat. And it, and it But they sold it on a lot of higher-end cameras, too. Like Pentax had a, a panoramic switch on their camera. Or, and all it's doing is adjusting the frame. So it's cropping the top mm-hmm. and the bottoms off. And so you get, what, 18 by 36 mm-hmm. size yeah. frame. It's not really a true panoramic. It's a, a panoramic format in its aspect ratio. But you're not getting a lot of more film real estate mm-hmm. on there. So what we want to try and do is get panoramic images on a bigger piece of film. That's film real estate. I like film that real estate. Yeah, it's good. We get, just let's, let's put the cheap and dirty way aside of, of the of cropping the thirty five millimeter frame. How can we do that? The cheap way of doing it, a, a wider frame, is if you've got a Holga, mm-hmm. and you can still find these available online. But you can also get a 35-millimeter adapter for a Holga camera, which gives you then a 24 by 58-millimeter size yep. 
frame. And, it, and that just drops in, doesn't it, it? It just drops in. It replaces the back with a with a with a red window on it with a uh, a solid back. Really? And it just drops in there, and you you've it's got a, a little. Yeah. You put your spool in one side, your take up spool in one side, and one twenty. But I cheated on mine. I had an old thirty five millimeter adapter from a, a Miapta TLR that I no stuck way. in here. So when it, when it gets rolled up, it gets in there. Now the the thing you have to worry about this though, there's no film rewind, so you have to take it to the dark room oh, and then, back in. and then mm-hmm. put it and, and then rewind your film back in the camera or with a dark bag or a, your whatever. own dark room, not your the own, darkroom.com. Yeah, your own your own dark room <laughs> or a dark send the whole camera or a changing that. bag or something like that to make it work. So that's a disadvantage of of using that system. A fi- did you mention film changing bag? Yeah, film changing bag, which the FPP has. Yes, it's a bag yes. that you put your hands in, and it's black in there. It kind of looks like a T-shirt when you lay it out. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> so, and you can do that in any Holga? You can do that with a standard Holga that's mm-hmm. got the adapter. Rather than having the adapter, it, you, you can, can you, do it. You can cheat and just run the film across there and get the whole sprocket effect. Right, sprocket. right, 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 right. So yeah. that's one way of doing it. Or you can make a cardboard mask and do it. And yep. it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be in a Holga. It could be... You could, if you've got, and I'll I'll get to that with some of the regular, more expensive cameras, what you can do. But you can take any any medium format camera and make a little cardboard mask and stick your thirty five millimeter cassette in there and and wind through. Now, if you've got cameras that are much more um, like a Pentax six by seven or a Mamiya or whatever, a lot of the Mamiyas had do. masks. You yeah, could buy. Mamiyas really? actually have have a have a back you can put on there. The Mamiya sevens had this mask you could get in there for thirty five. It's it's awesome. So mm-hmm. then, then Holga came out with a 135 pan, which is actually a really cool camera because it has two lenses. It has a uh, you can get a, it, come, it came with a um, pinhole lens and then our standard Holga 55 millimeter f/8 lens on it. And actually, I really like this one a lot because a you can rewind the film. It just takes a standard 35 millimeter cassette. The other thing is, since it was a, made by Holga, it's it's you know it's of course it's a fairly cheap plastic camera but it wasn't all that expensive when they were new they're really hard to find now though and, mm-hmm. and i just had a guy uh write on my random camera blog that he's he read my review of the holga 135 pan he goes no i gotta try and find one so we'll see what happens so that's another another step you can also go to something like uh the, the lomography sprocket rocket which mm-hmm. is a panoramic yes and that's about 24 i think it's about the 24 by uh what is the sprocket rocket? a million it's uh, <laughs> <That's> really long <laughs> uh 24 by 72 millimeters you got one of those mike uh I, no i have the what's this oh that the, the, spin the, other, uh, the, spin. the spinner the spinner yeah. we'll talk we'll talk about that okay, too cool um the sprocket rocket i just got mine a few weeks ago from a friend uh she didn't have the mask that came with it that masked over the sprockets so my sprockets get excited exposed but yeah. i don't scan those in so anyway <laughs> rocket rocket again it combines a wide angle lens with a very uh lengthy piece of film used these run about uh, between 50 and 85 dollars which is which is remarkable considering it's just a piece of plastic yeah really and then there's the lomography spinner 360 mm-hmm. which does spins around and the film travels through yep. it's, it's like a rotating lens right mm-hmm. and and so well, the film the rotates whole, the whole body, the whole body rotates yeah. yeah and the action of it advances the film at the same rate so okay it, however much you expose is how hard you yank it okay <laughs> wow huh oh <laughs> that's slightly double entendre yeah i try <laughs> leslie <laughs> leslie <laughs> and, and the, <laughs> and so that gives us um, some ideas for sort of 
inexpensive cameras. After that, you know, we're still, we still want as much film real estate as possible. Mm-hmm. And that brings us up to something that's going to cost a little bit more uh, in 35 millimeter. And we'll get to, I'll get to that a little bit later. But then we're going up now to the something that's sort of a, a more affordable than other options. That would be the Lomo Horizon 202. Mm-hmm. And I've never used one, but they have a rotating lens. John, you've used it's, one, right? Yeah, it just scans the area in front of you. And it's interesting because every time I shoot with it, pe- there's always someone who's like, what, what, what is that? <laughs> yeah, what right. exactly is that and what is it doing? Yes. And you tell them it's a camera and, and it blows people's minds. And, and the, the, what, it moves and what's all that stuff it, doing? It, right. it makes quite a racket as it's scanning the, uh-huh. the film uh, area. Racket. So, yeah, it always turns heads like, or usually. Now, that particular one, the Horizon, that is uh, 35 millimeter, right? Yes. Okay, and it does 24 by 59 millimeter frame size. Mm-hmm. But the back is also curved too, right? So it's slightly. It's, it gives yeah. you a, you're not distorting your image mm-hmm. as you as you um, expose for it's the a, panorama. It's a great entry level wide camera, I think. And I see prices for those for about 150 used to mm-hmm. you know 200. I bought mine used, but it, it crapped out on me within like a year and a half. Okay. I think. Oh man, that's why. And I just recently got a new one with Mike's help from Lomography. Oh, cool. It's always better to buy new if you can. What kind of film have you put in it? Color or black and white? Everything. 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 Shot with it recently. Everything. Yeah, you just gave me a rollback uh, last time I saw you. Oh, is that right? Yeah. You really like that camera? I think that, that was black and white. Yeah, it's fun. Okay. You know what it's really good for? Uh, uh, social gatherings. Oh, oh yeah. Because you can like get back and just capture what's going on without really you know intruding on people. So. And that brings us to some other other cameras. There's the Wide Lux 35 millimeter panorama. Yeah. Those go for about six hundred dollars yeah. used. They're really expensive. I think Donka Dave had one of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the older Russian the progenitor of the Horizon was the Russian Horizont cameras. Mm-hmm. And you can actually check eBay and find those. Again, they're the same technology. They're yeah. just older and more metal, and there's mm-hmm. less plastic in them. Are they mostly from Russia? Though? Yeah. 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 And then, shipping uh, that kills you. Yeah, now, it, it never gets there. <laughs> if we get into something a little a bit time. more expensive, to a lot more expensive, but X-Pan um, yeah. and the Fuji TX1, they're the Ooh. same camera. Yep. Um, so yes, your Has- your uh, Hasselblad X-Pan is made in Japan. It's mm-hmm. not not in Europe. But that's actually a good thing. Yes, that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a medium format camera? No, no it's 35 millimeter. 35, it gives you yeah. a 24 by 65 millimeter frame. It's about as sharp as you can get on, on those. Yeah, and I, I've seen, you see chromes or slide film shot with these cameras, and they're just incredible. Yeah. Mm. They're also very pricey cameras. You can probably find a TX1 maybe a little bit cheaper than you could the, the X-Pan just because the name recognition. Yeah, you can probably buy those from Japanese eBayers uh, most often, and I don't trust many people on eBay, but Japanese camera dealers are a good exception. They're almost yes. like KEH as far yeah. as how conservative their ratings are. But uh, is that right? Yeah. They like happy customers. Yeah, but the crazy oh. thing is X-Pans, I mean, you can buy you buy junkers and they're going for premium, premium prices. What, what, what's the price like, right? Like 1500 bucks. <gasps> yeah. You're getting so, a body in the 45. <laughs> so you could buy a couple Horizons with that. You yeah, know, yeah, I could like shoot one and smash it on the ground and yeah, pick up yeah, another. Yeah. So... <laughs> And there was also the Nobel 135, which is another rotating um, mm-hmm. lens camera. You could also, if you had a Mamiya RB set 67, you can get a 35 millimeter adapter for that, mm-hmm. and it slows the 35 millimeter in the back. And you also, if you have a TLR like the the Raleighkin, is it the Raleigh? Would they call it the Raleighkin? 
that you put in the in the Raleigh um, TLRs and allows you to put 35 millimeter. The problem with that really? is you're shooting vertically, yeah. and you have to either tilt your camera horizontally, which for a TLR is really a pain in the butt. So I I don't. Well, I guess you focus and then. Yeah, I guess you'd have to do that. So that's probably a, not the best way to do it. So that's through your 35 millimeter options, and there might be some other ones out there I'm not aware of. Again, we're looking at film real estate. So if we want to get a little bit bigger and a, big, a, a much richer uh, panoramic experience, we can go to something like 120 film. Mm-hmm. The cheapest there would be something like the Holga 120 pan. And they had actually two versions. One one had a, um, a front on it, like just like the Holga uh, 135. It has a, a, an extension out in the front. And I don't have one of those. They're pretty pricey now used because people want them. And I think if you were probably a little clever, you could probably find something like a Schneider lens to stick on the front of one of those yep. things and, and and get some really quality images. Schneider 58 or something like that? Yeah, yeah. something oh, like that. If you want to really break the bank. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Plastic body. But also there's the Holga wide pinhole camera, which gives you basically a 6 by 12 centimeter image. Mm-hmm. There's some funkiness, but because a it's a pinhole. But I've had good luck with that, and it's a lot of fun to shoot. Interesting images. Like Bel Air did that. Yes, I was going to say the the Bel Air -Air did it, and so that was another. That's a solid one. Going the Lomo Bel Air was six by twelve, and I had a Bel Air, and it was the early version, and yeah, I just felt it wasn't the camera I was hoping for, and I wasn't as happy with that, so I I ended up selling it. Um, So now we get a little bit more expensive. And now we're getting the, the as you, you know, the, the more real estate you have, the more it costs you. So we have the Fuji GX617, Ooh. which gives amazing, amazing 6x17 six by six by centimeter images. And you're starting at least $2,000 just for the body and, there. And those are built for durability. They got like they, a roll cage on they them. They have yeah. a roll cage. And I've seen there's a guy at, at Photostock a few years back who had some prints he brought that he made with this camera. And he'd shot on um, Fuji Velvia. Oh, gorgeous and prints. And they were just incredible prints. Yeah. And and uh, I, I, I was, and of course, if you had two, I think I also could take 220 in that camera. Yes. And yep. so that then is, you, you could get a lot more you images. You can tell it how many shots you want on yeah. either format, too. So, so it's, it's, a, it's very fantastic. Neat. Very pricey camera, but on the other hand, you're getting a lot of quality, and if you really want a great panoramic camera, that would be one way to go. Hey, hey Mark, just sorry to derail. Do you remember what Jeff and Eva Bano, which crazy 120 camera they have that does the panos? Jamie also has one of them. Oh, yeah, I know. It's it's called a um, a sights round shot. That thing is so crazy. It's it's got like a... It looks like an 80s computer on a tripod. (laughs) Right. It's got the remote, this crazy gray remote where you just like press to expose it's neat and there's a digital version of that i looked them up on, oh my online. gosh of course there is so that was yeah. th- there you go and now we're getting into some other ones there was one called the garrisy 6x17 camera yes they're still uh, well they're still they're pretty about easy a thousand dollars they're cone style cameras so now, now we're t- almost large format so i can right. talk about these uh, so, but- <laughs> and because their their main competitor for that is the linhoff technorama yeah yeah now we're talking linhoff so the only linhoffs that you can find are, are junk because all the collectors have scooped up the uh, the really premium ones. So the best bet, if you're looking at a Linhoff, is to buy a, a GF617 and be happy with that. Yeah, I, I would agree. I actually uh, was selling off a camera estate a couple of years ago, and I got to play with a Linhoff Technorama. And it was an amazing camera. 
Um, unfortunately, the thing that had was that was wrong with it was the shutter needed repairing. It was a computer shutter, so it was no big they need, deal. They need constant maintenance. Uh, Linhoff cameras for for the folks out there that have Linhoff, you already know this, but it's Leica for somebody that wants a larger camera. Uh, they need constant maintenance. If it has bellows on it, the bellows will be bad when you buy it, unless they were just replaced. Why? What's the deal? They're just paper thin. They're like the thinnest, most expensive bellows out there. It's Bellow. it's crazy. Nice uh, tears of when, yeah. whatever. <laughs> From other large format shooters that can't afford them, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's they're they're crazy cameras. They're definitely something to aspire to, but it's so, it, same kind of hmm. mentality as a Leica collector definitely goes after Linhoff. And and so there, yeah, there are other hmm. options out there. Um, and then the other one for 120 film is a Sights Round Shot 28220. It does a 360. Now it's it's certainly better quality than the Lomo Spinner 360. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen them in operation at, at, at Photostock, and they you can get some incredible group photos. They're and so, so forth much with fun, them. Um, and they give you a true panoramic 360 de- degree image. And of course, those are I had, didn't even try pricing one of those out online. They're not very common cameras, and the people that have them. Probably aren't likely to give you them up. Cannot anytime pry soon. them from their yes, their cold dead, dead fingers. Hands, yeah. <laughs> um, and so then you say, well, I can't afford some of the stuff. You know, I really want. You can make your own. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of do-it-yourself um, plans out there. Up on Mash Instructables has plans for a six by seventeen camera. Isn't there that six by eighteen that you can three D print? You can yes. download the instructions. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. You can also take thirty-five millimeter and put it in the back of a. Of a four by five camera, mm-hmm. the the Shapeway thirty five millimeter cassette to one twenty adapter. So you've got, let's say you have a, a Brownie Hawkeye uh, six by nine camera, you could put one of those in there. And uh, so there's a lot of options, and just go look online. Just Google it. The Google. Who could it be? Hey, I got a question. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what's on the phone. Remember back like uh, all those, my father and I'm sure everybody my age, has seen these photos, the real long, skinny, wide photos of, like, groups of a football team or oh, a university. Yes. Kind of thing. Yeah. What, what took those images? Banquet cam- banquet like, cameras. back in the day. They were talking, like, 900, some 1900. Of, some right? of those were, were done with banquet cameras, which just have a large frame, and then others were done with right. the circuit cameras. Right. Circuits. You want to call me circus cameras? madness here. This is madness here. All this is caused by UFOs. Okay, yeah. so starting with affordable in large format, if you're a large format shooter, you can actually get into uh, panoramic cheaper than a lot of the fancy 120 style cameras in four by anything that you that has a, a standardized film holder with a dark slide, you can just cut a dark slide in half, well a little bit over half. You make basically a little L shape with the dark slide. Mm. You got to remember to put it in and out the correct way, but you can then get two panoramic frames onto. Onto your four by five, five by seven, or eight by ten negative. That's kind of the budget way to do panoramic for that. But you, uh, if you have a four by five or an eight by ten camera, you can get panoramic backs for it. Uh, I know another photo stalker, uh, Vinny Walsh. He built his own four by five, uh, or sorry, four by ten back for his eight by ten camera. So there's a lot of those available. So there are some standardized panoramic formats in large format. Uh, among them being five by eight, four by ten, seven by se- seven by eleven. 7 by 17 and 12 by 20 are the most popular. Um, <laughs> That's a big camera. Yeah, they're, they're enormous. The, the 7 by 17 and the 12 by 20 are what are known as banquet cameras. Mm-hmm. And they were the, the photographer shows up and 
you can either afford for him to do one or two shots, and that's uh, that was about it. And that's where you see those those pictures where everybody is seated, and it's taken from like the mezzanine or the yeah. second floor. But he's using uh, a little bit of front tilt, shine flug, and getting everybody's head in, fo- in like sharp focus. Shining, yeah, the yes. shining photograph. And then you know what they did with them? They received those photographs, and they rolled them up very tightly, and they put them in a cardboard tube. And 50 years later, they bring them to me <laughs> so that they can be scanned and reprinted. Oh of God. course, when they're unrolled, if they're not properly humidified, everybody's like cracked. Crack, crack, crack. oh. And then they bring them to me to be retouched and then printed. So, so what you're saying is a Your great grandfather, Lazenby, actually shot them with that in mind. Long, skinny shots. Yes. I remember always being fascinated by those. And a friend of mine, Kevin Neblong, whenever we go to flea markets, and he sees one of those oh. shots. He buys it because mm-hmm. he's like, "Look at the people in here! Like, look at the you know this guy's look at all the dead people. This guy's head's turned so it's blurry, and he's I like, did. you know, yeah. just looking at. He'll take a magnifying glass and look at every person. <laughs> oh wow! And, check well, and of course, out, I like, do that too, but it's on freaky. the screen. But he yes. needs to get out more. Yeah, he does. <laughs> now, <laughs> beyond the mm-hmm. banquet style cameras, there's another there's another tier of specialty. If you for the man who has everything. A circuit camera is for you. Um, The circuit cameras are crazy. Mike is saying circus camera. And it's spelled, it's circuit, but it's spelled with a K just so it's different from like an electronic circuit. So C-I-R-K-U-T cameras. Cut. Yeah, cut. Um, What's neat about those is it's a roll film format, but what happens is you're exposing a very small slit across and the whole camera is rotating yeah. so your exposure is actually on like a drive gear it's definitely a um like a clockwork mechanism it's a steampunk's wet dream oh. when these yeah. cameras are, are moving along matching tripod too correct? yes, yes. If, right. well if you Mark don't Dalzell it's very expensive oh you know he would love it because you have there's there's a huge box where the camera and lenses are and then there's another box just with the correct gears and everything to make it work he'll find one if, if, if anybody's going to get one, it's going to be Mark. If anybody Elzell, wants to see one, camera? you, yes, you don't really camera. have to go much further than going to Photostock uh, right. because uh, annually, I, I won't say it happens every year, but Jamie Young, a fantastic photographer that shoots pretty much exclusively with panoramic format, hmm. uh, has in the past taken our group picture with a giant circuit film camera. Uh, it's eight inch film, so eight Holy inches shiz. high by. Usually they come in 100-foot spools, and you can buy this film once a year during the Ilford special order that we always plug on the show. What's funny is uh, a a gentleman that – another famous photographer that uh, lives right near Jamie is also now into circuit film cameras, Mr. Uh, Gregory Heisler. Mm. He was the guy that was did all the famous covers of Time magazine in the 90s through early 2000s. So he's now into – he's got the bug for circuit film. It's crazy stuff. If I could afford it, I would do it. Oh yeah, it's it's cool, cool. It's so funny you mentioned, you know, you said circuit camera. I said circus camera. Mark O'Brien's talking oh, about a panoramic lamography. This is not a panoramic camera, but it all ties in because this is the last Sardinia. Yes. Remember that? Yeah. We got this in twenty eleven. All the rage back then. Yeah. All the rage, and I mean, look at it. I brought this to my parents' house to shoot with it, mm-hmm. and my aunt Linda, who is the one ten <laughs> shooter. Hi, Maggie. It's Aunt Linda. When you get time, order me some 110 film. Mm-hmm. And my Aunt Linda, who is the 110 <laughs> shooter, she's like, oh, Mikey, I see you have your clown camera. <laughs> <laughs> it does look like a clown camera. Call it a clown to camera. To be fair. Really? Yeah. It's kind of funny. I have, uh, I have a green one. Oh, you do? Hey, yeah. what are those selling for? They got any resale on them? 
I don't know what these sell. I mean, oh, oh on eBay. On the mean. eBay's. Do they, they don't make them anymore, right? Or they do? I no, think I think they do. They, do. Yeah. they still yeah. do? Yeah. I don't think they make oh. like this. They make oh, a they posher, higher-end one, which is, mm-hmm. it's got like, you know, I don't know. Mine is real uh, metal or thinner and blue. It's blue, and, oh. it, and it actually says sardines on it. What, is, what does that oh, say? Does it? This says sardines on it, too. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. The Captain. We were given these. We were gifted these. We were gifted those. And I got, which I still haven't used because I'm afraid to use it, a Tori Amos edition. There you go. Lomo oh camera. God, there's, there's you with yeah, it back in 2011. Yes, but it has a cute name. Oh, that's a... Flash. No, Fire. that's a very special oh. flash. Yes. You could use that flash with your Lomo Kino. Mine yes. was busted. It regenerates very quickly. Mine oh. was busted. God, they have the cute name. And I, I Looks like a wink light from the old Polaroids. I don't remember. I don't recall. I have no memory of anything at all. Have we concluded our panoramic discussion? I think, I, I, I think we've just about we pretty made, well covered, it. covered the whole panorama of... Panorama cameras. Yeah, thanks yeah. for listening, Mike. <laughs> Forty bu- uh, The lowest price on the um, Sardinia on the uh, eBay is uh, forty bucks, and then there are prices like the, the Bell Star, like the I special love the Bell di- Star, yeah, one hundred eighty four ninety five. Which one? Let me see. What does that look like? The Bell Star. It yeah. has a Western look. Oh, here's one for two hundred and six dollars. Oh, really? Why? <laughs> I don't know why. Bell Star. Ooh, that that does look kind of cool. Yeah, I like the steampunk one. Uh, how would someone get quickly would get into shooting panoramic? How do you get into it? Mark? How do you get into it? Yeah. What do you What do you buy? What's the What's the uh, the yeah, gateway? Cool. Cool. Oh, the gateway. Oh man, what would be a good gateway? Well, it's probably the gateway is just taking a roll of film and putting it in your Holga. Mm-hmm. And, and rolling it through and and seeing what you get. That's yeah. that's probably the gateway. I agree with the Holga. It's the it's the least least overhead. Um, you're, you'll be pleasantly surprised with what you do get because whenever you're doing, whenever you're taking something, especially 120, and then you're running 35 across from it. Anytime you're cropping in intentionally like that, you're, you're getting the best part of of whatever lens is projecting onto it too. Do you that, sell, that's correct. Still sell those little uh, buffer things that you put in there. To adapt 35 to 120? We never sold them at the no. FPP. I'm, never a, did? I'm a tape person. Oh. I tape mine in. I thought you got somebody to machine them or, or something. No. You no? foamed them, didn't you? you yeah, Dane them. Johnson yeah. foams them. He's yeah. packing peanuts. Yeah, peanuts. Yeah. Oh, Back right. in the day, uh, there was something called Sprocket Revolution. Mm. They're not on the web anymore. Oh. They sold the little adapters. And there's also these 3D printed ones I yep. see out there now. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and you can go online and find them. On like the Ebays? Uh, on the Ebays, yeah. We'll be right back. First saved voice message. Hi, Maggie. It's Aunt Linda. When you get time, order me some 110 film. I'm not ready to give up my old camera yet. Ikimono. Flash. That means 110 film. That's right. 110 film, 110 film cartridge. The awesome small format film. Introduced in 1972 by Kodak, has been back. And what better time to shoot some 110 film Ikimono Flash camera in the FPP online store. Check it out. We have some vintage Kodak cameras in the online store. Super amazing. The brand new Diana Mini 110 camera. That's right. And the new Ikimono Flash. Tiny 110 camera with a built-in flash, which is awesome. Let's shoot 110. Ikimono Flash. Hey, we're back. Wow, what? Matt. Yeah. You know, we're oh. May first. I think now, if we don't, it's now or never. Talk oh. about Photostock. Yeah. Mark, you still go to Photostock? Uh, I try and go 
not every year. I'm this year. I can't go. I've got uh, things that. Other things going on that time of the time of the month. I'm, I'm scared. I'm too scared to go. I'm oh, so you on would, the fence. Mike, you would have a ball. Really? You would. You would just go. Now you might. You might be a little afraid going in the North Woods of of Michigan, oh, being yes. a Jersey boy. But listen, you've got woods around here, so it can't be yeah. any worse. No, it's just farther away. It's a lot of fun because everyone that comes in, they they check their ego at the door. Yeah. No, everybody's there's, cool. There's okay. no there's no pu- puffery there. Okay. And everyone, they have a good time. They sit around, drink lots of uh, fluids, and uh, eat well, and go out and do photography, talk photography. They look at people's portfolios, and there's all skill levels there. And you would, you know, th- th- maybe you should go up there and be a speaker and talk about the FPP because we have different speakers come up different years. Well, what I talk about. You could talk. What the heck would you talk about? You could talk about the FPP and uh, this whole wonderful community of film shooters we have. Wow! You know, yeah, I mean, Bill there's a, there's a lot us. of fine yeah. art photographers that go up there, but there's also a lot of people there like me and and who just like going out and doing a lot of photography. How far is it from where you live? From where I live, it's about a five-hour drive. What? Because the thing is, man, is like when you're driving on the road. I mean, like, you get a person who's that rude, I mean, they're going to kill you. So, like, if you give them a quick, short, sharp shock, they don't do it again. Dig it? I mean, he got off light because I could have given him a flash, you know, I only hit him once. (laughs) Wow. And, you know, if I go up there... I thought it was in your backyard. No, it's not in my backyard. No, it's all the way up the tip of the mitten. Oh, tell us about it, Matt. All right, so every year, uh, usually in the middle of June... Up in wonderful Harbor Springs, Cross Village, Michigan Springs. So, if you're looking at a, a map of uh, the U.S. state of Michigan, it's the very top of what looks like a giant mitten, just before you hit the the UP. So, right right on the water. Uh, if you've never been up that nor- far north before, it's a it's really neat. It's almost like the air is clearer. You get a half stop more on your exposure. <laughs> Uh, it, it's just gorgeous up there. Uh, this year, it's happening June 15th through June 18th. Usually, there's some workshops that will take place as early as a week beforehand. At the time of recording, special guests have not currently yet been announced, but you can go to photostockfest.com to sign up. Uh, there is now a registration fee uh, just because there is so much organization that goes on. The gentleman who runs it, Mr. Bill Schwab, we've interviewed him quite a few times uh, at past photo stocks. Um, I would really like to make it up this up there this year. I'm still on the fence about it. Just be, I have time off, but I got other stuff to do. I got to shoot. They're going to start getting bands involved. <sighs> they don't have bands yet. I mean, oh, well, <laughs> unofficial. At, there, there are some musicians that show up there. Around, yeah. Oh yeah, and there's the some very good musicians oh, that show up there. Some very yeah. good ones. Yeah, it's definitely a smooth feel. Oh, oh def- cool. yes, it very much is. Yeah. And did, did, I think you go, th- did you go? You never. I have went. never been. Huh. The, the only thing they have there on tap is. Uh, they have Oberon and water. That's <laughs> there's lots What's of beer up there. Oberon is beer. Yeah. Uh, actually, Local there's brew. a lot of a lot of um, beer from Shorts Brewery. It's just just down the, just down the way from there. No, it's really worth going. It's a really to. good. Time. I mean, people have a good time, and uh, there's great? always there's people out doing doing shoots. There's a lot of people who do um, wet, wet plate, plate. Mm-hmm. and so they're always doing wet plate shoots there. And last year, I got my picture done for the first time with a wet plate. There's all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah, the print swap uh, is a lot of fun. How many people do you think uh, go there? Uh, Large numbers? At its peak. It's it's mellow? Well, it... It fluctuates year, you know, year to year, but it has overall grown. I think at its peak there was over a hundred, and then it gets it gets a little untenable after after that. But so it's still a little about bit fifty intimate. to seventy people yeah. on, on average. Yeah, consistently. Yeah. That's good. 
So yeah. it, it's it's sort of like a, a wood. I call it a wood a woodstock in the for for camera people. What's really interesting is it's not. There's nothing that says it's this is film only, digital only, but it just seems like it shakes out to be a lot of traditional shooters. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, there's some really good photographers that, that show their work there. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had people um, last year. We had um, several photographers from the West Coast who were there, and their work is phenomenal. And they talked about their work, and they had examples there to show. One of the women that was there I, was a good friend of Ansel Adams, and so she had some really remarkable work to show. Um, so wow. it's it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of good work. I think it invigorates a lot of people to go up there to get ideas about photography. Uh, one person was shooting underwater uh, pinhole, Whoa. and uh, cool. it was actually just at the water's edge, so you were getting mm. above and below, and it was kept in a, like a, a plexiglass box. Otherwise, you'd have a wet, very, talk about wet plate. Yeah. So it was some really cool stuff, and it, like I said, I, I go up there, and I get inspired every time I go. Oh, that's awesome. That's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When you go somewhere and you, you get energized. Get and you fired up. Yeah, get fired up. Well, thank you very much for the report and yeah. the input, everyone. You go, it's photo, is it photostock.com? Uh, photostockfest.com. Yep. Awesome. We'll be right back. <laughs> this year, we're celebrating... Everything Color Slide Film. Films that are processed E6. That's right. E6. You can pick up Color Slide Film right in the filmphotographystore.com. Our famous FPP Retrochrome, which is Kodak Ektachrome that we rescued from a military base out west. This film was kept refrigerated in its entire life we carry two varieties, 160 ISO or 400 ISO. Both are available right in the FPP online store. Just go to the new store, click 35mm film, in the left-hand column you will see categories and choose Ektachrome. There it is. Check it out. Shoot away. The year of E6. E6. And of course, you can process this yourself using our very own E6 color slide kit. You could also process it C41 to get a cross-processed negative. Thanks so much, folks. Now back to show. What show? Hey, we're back, and we have an awesome book review from Mr. Mark O'Brien. Hello there. Take it away, Mark. <laughs> okay, yeah. I thought I'd, I'd like to bring a book every now and then. It's just not about photography, but it, it's maybe peripherally related. And this one I brought this time is called Photograph, Cool Things to Do with the Pictures You Love. It's by Herder, Frankel, and Lovett. Uh, it was published in 2005 um, by Bullfinch Press. It's 160 pages. It's just really sort of um, photography meets crafting in some ways because it shows you different things you can do with your images. If you've been shooting for a long time, you probably have lots and lots of images. And at some point you say, I'd like to do something different with my stuff. Just besides sticking it on the wall, maybe I can make it use, make some presents for some friends or some relatives. So this book has a lot of great ideas for projects using your photos. If you want to just do more than put them in frames... 
uh, you'll get a lot of ideas of fun to turn them into something more than also just fridge magnets. The authors give some good advice on materials and techniques, which is important if you're not into that whole crafty mm. world of things. You say, where do I get this, and how do I do that? And they've, they've got all these, they've got the information on that. And everything, you, know, you can actually take your images and scan them in and then print them on various materials using inkjet printing technology. You can do things like liquid emulsion on, on other objects and expose those and make prints. Or you can just take your prints as you've made them, or you've got a bunch of things hang, laying around. You can treat them differently and attach them to things. Uh, even have your print image on a shower curtain, which is wow. kind of interesting. You know? I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do. That's frightening. Um, yeah, it is frightening, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, can you I have imagine Mark O'Brien staring at me every time I take a yeah, shower? Yeah, or I was going to say, have, have Mike Grasso on your shower curtain every, hey. every day. You know? <laughs> hey! You, 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 you'd get super positive every morning be before you got day. in the shower. That'd be a great video. Thanks, like, Mike. Somebody opens up a Michael Rosso shower curtain, and it's just Michael Rosso making the same face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> So, you know, people, sometimes we get a lot of ham-fisted when it comes to trying to do crafty ob- crafty projects. And so this is a book that you could take a look at and say, oh, yeah, I could actually see it doing that. And there's other things in there you might say, nah. Hmm. But the thing is, it's nice to know what's out there if you get inspired. And maybe you'll find another way of, of taking some of your photographs and making other art art objects out of, the, out of your photographs and incorporating it into an exhibit or something. So there's... There's more out there than just your standard put something on the frame and, and, and show it to the people. I think that's good. Lampshades are another thing you can do. What is and this? Iron on transfer paper. Yeah, you can. there's iron on transfer paper. You can that use it with inkjet printing, and then you can really? just iron it on the material. So there's there's all kinds oh, of things The lampshade idea is great, especially you know at a party when you wind up with wearing With Mike it on Rasso your on your lampshade, yeah. <laughs> Mike Rasso face over your head. <laughs> So I picked the book up at a local cool. thrift shop for two bucks. It's still Ooh. available on, on online from various sellers, and you can get it used and so forth. And there's other books out there, but I like the idea. The title is Photograph. What can you do with your photos and be, make craft projects out of them? So, And if you've got kids, there might be something in there that you could probably say, oh, we could do this with the kids, and they could have some fun with it too. So Photo bracelets. Yeah, there you go. Fun. So there's all kinds of stuff in there, and this, a lot of it's not things that I might do myself. If you're inclined to have to experiment with these other techniques, it looks like it could be a lot of fun for other people. Thank you very much, Mark. You're welcome. Candles. Now, I'm going to call the pizzeria. Now, you guys can't laugh because they'll hang up on me. Oh, okay. What do you mean they'll hang up? Italian pizzerias, they're very serious. Come on. John. What is this, a prank call? I told you. I went into a pizzeria. And there was a guy in front of me. He picked up his pepperoni pizza, and he looked at it. He's like, I called IS for just a little pepperoni. I really just want a little bit of pepperoni. That's way too much pepperoni. Think Seinfeld soup Nazi. Yeah, oh, pizza Nazi. Pizza the for pizza, the, Yeah. <laughs> what did he say? The pizza owner was like, that's the way that comes. If you don't want a lot of pepperoni, here. And he went in. He reached oh, out and he oh, ripped oh, the pepperoni oh, off. He's like, oh, there you go. How's that? <laughs> I saw it. What did the guy do? The God, guy, God, that's The great. guy walk out? The guy, he walked out sheep, sheepishly. He took the pie with him? Yeah. Oh, was that enough? Sh- what a schnook. <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to go, get, like, you just go with the flow. Right. Why are pizzeria guys always so angry? Italian-American. The- <laughs> <laughs> 
Always or angry. Italian. You'd be angry if you worked at a pizza parlor all day. I guess so, yeah. Under fluorescent lights with yeah. a bunch of stooges driving yeah. your pizzas what stooges? around. stooges? Now you're making fun? And those hot ovens. Come on. What do you got to do? What kind of uh, intelligence level do you have to have to, you know, deliver pizza? Are these pe- Did you ever get a pizza delivered? Yeah. You look at the guys like, oh, jeez, what those else? Those are pizza delivery boys. You're like, boys. oh, boy, they're what not, else is this guy going to do? They're not the pizza master. No. No. Everybody's angry. No pizza for you. Which angry Italian place are we ordering Bella Vida. from? Bella Vida. Yeah. On the scale of 1 to 10, how angry are these guys? Uh, they're about a Pepperoni. Five. They're about a 5. They're about a pepperoni? <laughs> pepperoni. <laughs> they're about a 5. All right, let's hear. Put it on okay. speaker. All right, don't go <laughs> I won't say nothing. I won't All say right. nothing. Oh, you have to keep... It may be very boring. I don't know. We're getting a... I've got a feeling it won't be. Pepperoni mushroom. And everything and a, and pie. Garbage. Everything. Pull it up. Bella Vida, can I have you? Uh, yes, I like to order for pickup. What do you need? Uh, I like to get uh, one uh, large pie with uh, pepperoni and mushroom, and one okay. e- and, and one everything pie with anchovy. You want a Bellavita special at anchovy? With yes, yeah, special with anchovy. Put anchovy. Yes, please. Okay. And can can you make them uh, both extra crispy, thin crust? Okay. And the name is John. All right, Murray. Okay, about 15 minutes, it should be ready. One uh, pie mushrooms and pepperoni, one Bellavita special with anchovy, everything is then cross crispy, all right? That is right. Okay, my friend. Thank you very much. Thank you, bye. Okay, bye. That was a classic. I thought he was going to get pissed when you said thin crust. I, I never, ever ordered a thin crust. Who are you calling crust? thin crust? Like, hey, my crust is thick. We like it a thick crust. <laughs> you want a thin, you go someplace else. Right. But that guy was like, um, he was very good. Yeah. He, he was attentive. He read everything back to me. You don't mm-hmm. always get that. It's yeah. early in the day, though. But yes. I would not go put... You're absolutely right. Uh, I wouldn't go pushing his buttons. At 8 o'clock at night, the guy could be a firecracker. <laughs> yeah. Explode right yeah, in your face. Two, we have 15 minutes, so let's do uh, one more topic. And we're going to talk about fungus. Uh, toe fungus. No, not toe Who told you? Fungus. People make oh, a jam. big deal. People make a much of a big deal about fungus as they do about uh, airport x-rays. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they do, So, yeah. Mark, what do you got? We'll, we'll, oh, we'll discuss it. Fungus and lenses. And what do, you, what do we do about it? Nothing. Well, first throw off, them out. You just you throw them out, right? you got a lens of fungus on it. Is it history? No. Throw it out. No. There you go. And, and that's it, it depends. I mean, sometimes you get a, if you see, if it's a really bad case of fungus, it looks like it's veiled, looks like maybe a Petri dish sample in there. And you say, nah, I don't want to use that one. But if it's just got a few threads and so forth that you see, you look through the lens, it's not really going to affect your image all that much. Nope. Um, For people don't realize is that back in the early days, it was really hard to make lenses without imperfections and you would look at some of these i've seen lenses and russian cameras with little tiny air bubbles in them mm-hmm. and uh, you go what the heck but you know that was that was a standard operating procedure back in the day so how much is accessible is it worth removing or sending it out have you ever shot with lens fungus have you ever shot with lens fungus leslie well wait a minute where's this fungus grow in inside it, the lens outside it's inside the lens most of the time and it grows in between the elements and it, lots of lots of times it's growing on the coatings, coatings. that are on the yep. lens or it can even be on the cement sometimes mm-hmm. but primarily it's on the coatings. coatings i have a worse problem with one of my lenses i have little house dust mites that crawl inside the lens oh and they're, they're, me out. that's pretty cool there there's three 
house dust mites in this 8518 lens I have. And Living I don't know there. why just that Why lens. are house dust mites crawling into a cameras? That means if they're crawling into cameras, that means they're crawling everywhere. They're, of course, yeah. That means they're everywhere. They're right? everywhere. If you have cats, you probably have house dust mites. I don't have a cat. Okay, well, you don't have, but you probably have house dust mites. Wait a Everybody do you, has. Do you like watch these things live? I mean, what, what I don't want to go off topic. But, well, it's, it's kind but, of on topic. Let's say, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, you just let, you just let things time go by like oh, i'll change the sheets next week what kind of mites are coming oh. into the bed well only it can only be house dust mites house, the house dust, dust mites that's a mite that's found everywhere where does it come from it, it's, it's so small it's they just, they, it's they, just, they just are what do they live on dead uh, skin. dander dead skin. skin old skin flakes pieces of feathers whatnot and you know so when you're vacuuming are you vacuuming vacuuming them up uh, most of them and when you wash your laundry, you're, you're getting, getting rid of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, you're getting rid but of them. But they come back. But they come back. But, you know, if you... You've seen them under a microscope? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. So I'll, I'll have to show you that lens sometime. Next time I'll bring it. You actually see them in it? Yeah, I, mean, I have to look at it through a magnifying glass. To see them, but there's little white dots in there. I mean, what about these mites that show up on your scanner? Like, sometimes you'll scan a piece of film, and you're oh, like, you'll look. It's, you pr- it's probably one of those house dust mites. Oh, my. Leslie's looking at me with a horrified face. She's <laughs> like, you're... To me, she's like... Your house is full no. of mites. No, I'm just. Th- it showed up on a scanner. I scanned a piece of film and I looked wow. at the and I saw so a little. Like a mite. little yeah, little, that's probably what it was. A little house dust mite. I mean, they're innocuous. Okay, just disclaimer. That was when I was scanning at the old FPP. Okay. Yeah, we left okay. there. my house. <laughs> oh, now we even we didn't even talk about follicle mites, but that's that's something for another thing. Oh my goodness! Uh, you live on your eyelashes and your and also your skin. You might have fewer. Mike's going to come back completely shaven, no hair. Yeah, nothing. Eyebrows gone. Everything's gone. Everything must be cleaned. Anyway. And Dolphins just think those, those little house, those little follicle mites are having sex on your face somewhere and, and reproducing. That's crazy, oh. Mark. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So anyway, we. <laughs> if they can get a room, we go. This we Mike go looks off like he's going to vomit. It's really interesting <laughs> off topic, right? Yeah. Please continue. So the, the thing is, people can rightfully be upset about lens fungus because if you someone sells you a lens that says it's in perfect condition and you get it and it's got fungus on it, eh, it's not in perfect condition yeah. because it's got a, 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 a It's a all problem. fungused up. It's all fungused up. Is it worth cleaning? It depends on the lens. If it's something that's like a 50-millimeter lens or you can get them anywhere, I wouldn't worry about it. If it's something that's an expensive lens, mm-hmm. yes, you can send it out and have it clean most of the time because what will happen if you get a really bad f- fungal infestation, it can actually etch the lens yep. itself. Mm-hmm. The coatings go with it. The coatings yeah, go really. with it. And yep. so you don't really don't, you want to avoid that. The biggest problem, what causes lens fungus is, len- is lenses that are kept in a humid environment. Moisture. Yep. And so we had a researcher at where I work at the University of Michigan. He was on a long trip to Madagascar. Oh, my goodness. And he had this complete Canon set with EOS this and all these big lenses and everything. It all came back fungus, and oh, he was, man. you know, he had a, he basically had an insurance write-off on that stuff. I think. Hey, oh I don't want to go off topic, but did you know that vanilla is grown in Madagascar? Yeah, it's okay. a, it's an orchid. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. You can they grow it in the greenhouse where my wife works too? Is that right? Yeah, it's orchid orchid bean. What do you do about it? If you can clean it yourself, or you feel like taking a lens apart, go for it. But 
Otherwise, just leave it as is. You can put your keep your lenses in one of these dry boxes, which have silica gel in there if you yep. live in a humid environment. Um, if you go where it's, where things are going to be humid, that's something to keep out for. If you live keep you have your cameras in your house and you're worried about it, let's say you live, have your stuff in the basement, um, get a dehumidifier. It would yep. help with that. What you really want to do is try and prevent the conditions that form that form a fungus on your lenses if you if you have a place when you're starting to get things like mildew on your house or whatever in your basement you really need a dehumidifier so it doesn't also cause problem with your camera equipment a lot of photographers in southeast asia that are really serious about it they will have uh like a glass case or a protective case that is that has a humidity control on it so it's completely dehumidified oh. it's almost like uh what barbers use to sanitize their tools it'll have like a uv light oh in there uh, keeps all their lycas pristine right yeah if lycas <laughs> hasselblads but what, what works against them there though is sometimes the uv is strong enough to start eating away that uh, are flaking off the the coat the oh, really? anti-reflective paint oh really wow on the inside of the lens the black paint it makes it flake off so huh. it's like well, damned if you do damned if you don't yeah so I, I think some people can really get, you know, there's, I've seen really bad cases of lens fungus where it's like, ooh, it's like having a diffusion filter in your lens. Yes. So maybe you want to keep one of those yeah. and use it for those special images, right? Yeah. But for the most part, try and keep it from happening by keeping them in a, in a dry environment. And if you have a few strands of fungus in there, don't worry about it. But you don't want it to get worse. I love it. I see a lens with fungus on it. I know. I don't know, cool but I image. test it. I know I'm going to be able to shoot really soft, beautiful portraits with it. I have an automatic land camera, a 100 automatic land camera that clearly someone stored in, like, looks like garage stored. It's not the one that the roach is in it, is it? No. Oh. <laughs> I call it the Dream Cam because it produces a beautiful, soft, gauzy, beautiful yeah. image. So I know some people look at it all... They, Fun, oh my god, this funk it's like shoot. Right. It's People like, pay a lot of money for this Yeah. Story. Yeah. So I'm I'm of the great. If I see it, I'm gonna shoot with it. Do not I do not care. If there's a bug in there, that's a different story. <laughs> we'll save that for a different show. <laughs> now from the retail perspective. Yes. Oh. If I see fungus on a lens, uh, it's it's two two things. I get to beat up on the customer because it's got fungus on it and I can get it for a good price. But usually if it's so far gone, <laughs> If you're in a business to sell stuff that doesn't have fungus and you introduce something that right. does have you fungus, don't want that. now you've contaminated the bunch. So, fungus, get out. Yeah. No, this mean? whole thing about fu- you're saying, yeah, what, what do you mean? It's you like s- a virus? Spores. Wait a minute. You're saying, if, <laughs> like a zombie virus? If you put a lens next to another lens, you're saying it spreads. There's a if very high live. probability. Yeah, because yeah, there's yeah. dead fungus Mo- and live yeah, fungus. Yeah, there's mold. How do you know if it's first, a the fungus has to reproduce and send out spores. How do you, from a lens? Yeah. Yeah, they can get out and they got in. And get out. Spores yeah, get in. Weird. The spores get out. It's well, very alien-like. Little, little, uh, evening <laughs> well, on the town. Yeah. So, but most likely, that's fungus in a lens is dead. Correct? No. 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 Well, what does it so feed on inside the lens? It can. It can still keep the, growing. If it, the coating. Sometimes oh, it's dead. Is it really? But it could still keep growing Crazy. if it's not. Let's say it's. It goes in there and it forms just enough to to reproduce with little spores. There's a then, lot of them. Yeah. It doesn't take much. If uh, you take the lens out of the moist environment, won't those spores die? Because you're now introducing it to a different environment. Well, mm-hmm. typically they handle more extreme conditions than living. Yeah. Like so heat's not going to kill it. Well, if your thing you is living on the coating the sun, of a lens. Right? Yeah, I mean, you, uh, UV, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much, Mark. You're welcome.
is now uh, it's time Pete. for Pete's pickup. Uh, we're going to see you in two weeks. Two weeks. Podcast two weeks. at filmphotographyproject.com. That's, hummel, where hummel, you, hummel, hummel. that's where you can reach us. Uh, we're going to see you in two weeks. Two weeks. Some clothes, but they look just like your.